All right, here we go. Brand new edition of Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Russ Cohen's going to join us in just a moment. Let me tell you about Bet Parks because Bet Parks, the new app, is live. It's great. You need to use the promo JASON750. And if you do that, boom, you are going to be good to go and you're going to get a $750 risk free bet. Not 50 bucks, not 100 bucks, not 500 bucks. 750 bucks. So take it from me. Check out the new Bet Parks app. It's everything you want in mobile casino and sports book. And here's the best part. It's easy to sign up. It's easy to download. It's easy to use. It's fun to use. And it's faster to win than ever before. So again, use the promo code JASON750, and you're going to get up to a $750 risk-free bet. Terms and conditions do apply. So make sure you check it out. Get in on the end of the uh, hockey season action. Uh, Basketball playoffs are here. You've got baseball you can bet on. Tons to get in on. So check it out and use the Bet Parks app. Give them a follow on all the social channels as well at Bet Parks on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well. Great content, daily specials, and tons more there. So download, check it out. Download the new Bet Parks app. It is available now. Do need to be over 21 and pre- present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. We've got a lot to get into on this brand new edition of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. So let's get right to our guest. You read his work on sportsology.com. At Sportsology on Twitter, it's the one and only Russ Cohen. What's going on, Russell? Hey, how are you? I'm doing good, man. It's Monday, and it seems that Mother Nature finally got the memo that it's springtime. Yeah, we're starting to get that, and um, I'm going to do a cheap plug here because uh, you always say, well, what are you up to? Well, I do have a new book out my 10th uh, with a couple of guys' help. Uh, and the NBA Top 20, the Top 75 players in NBA history. Thank you. Easy enough mm-hmm. to say. Uh, people can either DM me if they want uh, signed copies or go to Amazon and get it. Paperback, digital, whatever. Do you ever sleep? Yeah. I mean, 10 books. I have no kids. I have no kids. Uh, that's a good point. That's yeah. the secret. One book, probably two books per kid is what that would oh, yeah. out of you. And, yeah. and even more. That is the secret. Man, you found the secret of life. I didn't know I was going <laughs> to get that revealed to me on the show today. Well, I'll see. No, you bring everything and you're writing hoops. I'm sure you're writing baseball. I know you're writing hockey and prospects. Yeah. My, you wonder- know what my latest baseball is going to be? It's going to be called Buckology. Um, we haven't done this since the Dennis Miller days. We had Millerology. The re- reason we had that um, because nobody could understand what Dennis Miller was saying on Monday Night Football. And we would just point out what he was trying to do for as long as he lasted because he was just a disaster. I don't think Buck. Showalter will be a disaster, but this will point out things that only Buck Showalter does and no other manager would ever do or should ever do. So, so you have like a translation guide. Yes. Ah, it's pretty good because there are some announcers in sports where you go like, what the heck's he talking about? But it's, <laughs> it's like an idiosyncratic phrase that only they use. Yes. Yes. So he people. does things that only Showalter would do. No other manager. So I will point those out as they come up in the year. And I already have one from yesterday. So there you go. Who, who's the greatest uh, analyst in baseball history, in your opinion? Is it McCarver? You know, I don't want to sound biased here by saying it's McCarver, although at least this audience knows he did Phillies games before Met games, right? So yeah. and was I do a think – And was a Philly, yep. And actually lived in Memphis, lived near my cousins. I had an autographed picture when I was a little kid. But I feel like he was the best because – he was the first one that really talked about the outfield and infield alignment per at bat, mm-hmm. what was right, what was wrong, and 
eventually the organizations that, you know, used him got sick of that and got mad at that. But he was very good at that. Yeah, he was always like, well, if the hitter is a pull hitter, then the outfielders are going to be on the left side of the outfield. You right. Know, he was a goofy yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. He was good. Though. You knew when he was doing a game, it was a big game. Yeah. You know, that's the thing about him. In football, I mean, you had, you had some in- pretty interesting guys like Gruden. I'll tell you what, man. You know, that <laughs> whole thing. Oh, God. He got nauseating, though. I will tell you this about McCarver, too. I wanted to punch Deion Sanders in the mouth when he poured champagne on McCarver in the locker room. And, you know, he was like a, you know, 65-year-old guy. And you'll just keep dousing them and laughing. And it was just the most punk move ever. I don't know if people remember that. Go Google it if you don't. Yeah, it's when the Braves won um, yeah. the division or won the pennant. The one yeah, year. won the Lost pennant. in the World Series that year, though, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They did a lot of losing. Um, a lot of winning, but only one championship with that core. So that was the interesting part of it. Um, yep. Russ, let me take you back six years ago because on this date, this is a significant date in Flyers history. Um, April 11th is the day. And back in 2016, it was the day that Ed Snyder, the founder of the team, passed away. What do you remember about that day? Yeah, I just remember um, being shocked. I remember uh, maybe just the year before, maybe two years before when it was still open, I went to the um, an event at the American Jewish um, Museum, Heritage Museum in uh, Philly. And it was Old a great place. Yeah. And uh, I went there for a baseball event, but then I noticed that there was, you know, like the Ed Schneider wing. He had like, you know, donated it, you know, money for for that. And I started looking at what they had for that too. And and that's what, you know, that's when it really like two years later really hit me. Like this guy, you know, did so many other things. Like, you know, the outside world says, hey, he was that Flyers owner that, you know, signed the British Gallup contract and wanted to do anything to win. And, you know, that time it didn't, but some of the other times it did, but then, you know, the philanthropic part of this guy was just incredible between Snyder hockey is well advertised. I mean, I don't need to advertise that, but many other things too. And so that one really hit me. That was like, you know, being a Jewish guy, it was like, yeah, you know, that's really good. That's really nice that he did this. Yeah. The Snyder hockey thing is producing some players now too. They, I think they want to, they won, uh, maybe a DVHL championship this year at a higher okay. level. So yeah, they're producing players now. We'll see when they come across my draft pros- prospect profile list. It won't be long, I guess. Yeah, it was. It was never actually intended to put players in the NHL, but it was an outreach program. Right. But it's just grown. It's crazy. Like my son's team, we go down there and we play a class of twenty three multiple times a season, which is always a cool barn to play in. Cause it's just so old and yeah, you know, no, I, I played there. The side. <laughs> I played right. I played there once and I went and saw a cover to practice there for the coyotes once when they were in town for the flyers and I had to cover a coyotes player. So that place is great. I, the only problem is parking and getting in the actual place. Yeah. That seemed to be a chore. Yeah. The lot is tiny. The one that's close and the other one's a bit of a hike. So um, I had a hike the- with all my equipment. It, it wasn't yeah. great. <laughs> Why is my like mouse going crazy all of a sudden? It's uh-huh. moving on its own. Uh-oh. Is my wife doing that Maybe. like remotely or something? Oh, that'd wild. be great. That's a great gag. But but you know, as far as you know, Ed Snyder, uh, you know, he when he would interview, he really never lied. Now, I always use like examples, like if a GM's lips are moving, some most of the time they're lying because yeah. they have to a lot of times. He never did, and yeah, that's why he was always. Very transparent, always a great interview. So you really, 
anytime he was around, you wanted to be on that interview because you knew, A, he was going to answer every question and he was going to answer them honestly. So you had to be in that scroll. Yeah, he was always going to say something. Yes. And he did himself available a ton, but when he did, it was impactful. You know, my first experience with him was as a kid. Um, my dad um, had season tickets at the Spectrum before he moved down to Section R, Row 7. We were in Section R. We were in the last row. Oh, wow. Two end seats against the back wall. And his box was right next to us, slightly forward. So we had the advantage of getting replays on his TV. Oh, yeah. You could peek there. Yeah. Yeah. And him nice. and Jay would be sitting in, inside the box uh, at that time. And Bob Clark to his left eventually. And um, that was my first experience. And then I remember another date we're going to go back to in just a second, 2010, when the Flyers won the Eastern Conference Final. You know, he was chomping at the bit to get back to the cup. Oh, yeah. Was just, you know, how competitive he was. And I remember interviewing him on the radio on WIP after when I was doing post game a one on one with him. And he was just so elated. And let's just say he had a good time that night. Oh, I'm sure he did. Yeah, I felt like I was on a boat on a, on rough seas. <laughs> I mean, he was all over the place. Oh, that's uh, funny. Well and by, but um, he was a passionate owner. And he was. certainly missed in this city. And all owners should be like that. Yeah, it should be. You know, it's a shame because there's so many of the mom and pop owners and the family owners have gone by the wayside with, you know, groups like Fenway Sports Group. And, yes. Tom, you know, they're all it's just not, you know, very I guess, you know, applicable in today's sports with, you know, no, but there's still some in each sport, but there's a certain charm to it that I like. Yeah. It it just, it feels more comfortable for people. Now growing up, listen, my, you know, I first started watching hockey in like 73. So those first couple of years when the Flyers were winning and I was living in North Massapequa, I wasn't a fan. Yeah, I just want to make that clear. Um, but, you know. You're an Isles fan at that time, right? No, I was a Ranger fan. I hated the Islanders because they came in a year after the Rangers, so I had no use for the Islanders. But certainly I went to the Coliseum, went to games. Like when Mike Bossy passed, I, yeah. I talked about that because I'd seen him a lot. I went to non-Ranger games there, of course. But, no, I was not an Islanders fan at all. And it's in, in my yearbook. I get destroyed in my yearbook for being a Ranger fan on Long Island during that era. Destroyed. Jewish guy on Long Island, and you're a Ranger fan? Yeah. That is, you're an outlier. I know. I was, I mean, But that's when I started watching hockey, 72, the Rangers made it to the Cup, lost to Boston. So it was like, that's when I got hooked in hockey. I was already hooked in other sports. So, yeah. you know, what was I going to do? But as far as Schneider, I'm sure I had said a few choice words about him on the other side. But then, you know, you get to see the guy, see him in action. A lot of respect. Yeah, no doubt. Um, let me let me ask you a question. The Rangers, you mentioned they go to the Cup in, in 72. They win it in 94. What was that moment like for you growing up as a Ranger fan for them to finally do it? What was it 15, All right, I'm gonna, I'm going to tell you a great story. Um, so here's the story. I was working in 1993, 94 uh, at the Hilton Hotel right by Vet Stadium. It was my, my last hotel job. I I. Went for a degree in hotel restaurant management. I did it for like 10 years. They called me up because I had just left another Holiday Inn, and they wanted me to change that Hilton into a Holiday Inn. So I went there. I was uh, union busting at the time, which I wasn't thrilled about, but I needed a job. I was getting my tires flattened because it was old-fashioned Philly union stuff, so they mm -hmm. put tax out. Um, so my tires would get flattened, and the hotel would fix my tires for me, which was nice. And... So I was in there for like a lot of the Phillies lived there, 
but also um, I would see a lot of other athletes. Jaworski uh, owned part of the uh, hotel with um, Bill Berge. He was also part of that ownership group, mm-hmm. right? So I would see them all the time. Jaworski did his radio show there all the time. But getting to the Flyers, so I remember one time um, there were some Flyers fans walking in the lobby, and they had a button. And this was, again, this was in 93. It was the year before. They had a button, 1940 forever. Mm. And I was like, come here, let me see that. And I'm like, what's that for? And they were like, oh, yeah, we're the Flyers fan club. We're just kind of razzing the Rangers. We're selling these buttons. I'm like, give me one. I bought the button. The next year they won. Oh, you were partly responsible for ending the uh, the jam. Yeah, because this was probably <clears> – <throat> Yeah, because now I said 93 and 94 at the beginning, but this was probably actually uh, summer of 93. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, the end of the season, like June, something like that. I feel like, yeah, I I had something to do with it. So um, that was part of it. Now, the feeling was I couldn't get to games. They were just too expensive. I was working, but I was listening, watching. Uh, It was amazing because I had been told forever that this team can't win, and the 1940 chants were classic they don't do them anymore right but they were they were a part of like growing up so it was really nice so that's why i never begrudge any fan base when they win the cup to just you know get as crazy as you want or any really any sport because i know some people never get to see their teams win and luckily i got to see all my teams win except i was like five and a half years old with the jets so i didn't know a lot that was going on in the world i certainly knew joe namath but but again you know, so always enjoy that. But that was a, a big moment for me. Like that whole series. I actually have a stick that I acquired years later. I traded. Remember the first World Cup of hockey? Yeah. I traded a. Um, Ninety six. Oh, is this? No, no, later than that. I mean, this is the NHL's World Cup of hockey. Okay. So you know, more much more recent, like probably twenty thirteen, something like that. Okay. Um, and I forget the name of the Ranger, but there was a Ranger that um, former Ranger that there was a jersey for sale. The NHL was moving, right? So they said, "Yeah, come on in. You could buy stuff from us." So I bought like a cross pen with like an NHL logo. They were just getting rid of stuff, right? And they were giving the money to charity. So I bought this jersey for like thirty, forty bucks, an official one from you know from that series, and I traded that to a friend whose wife is Czech. For a Stefan Mateau uh, game use stick, but it wasn't the stick that he used against the Devils, but he abandoned the stick at practice, like I want to say after like game one of the series of that series of that Eastern Conference final. And so, yeah, so I, I had that stick. It's awesome. Still has the original tape, everything. And Mateau's doing something this summer, so I'm going to have him sign it. Wow, very cool. Um, yeah, yeah, where, but it's not just stick, but it's still pretty cool. Do you know where he played his junior hockey? Stefan Mateau, I really don't know. Played for Elaine Vigneault with the Hall Olympique. Now, oh, that's Vigneault funny. Olympique, yes, that's funny. Buddy of mine, Jim Moore, was on that team with him, along with uh, Andy Ross, another local guy, and yeah. Jeremy Roenick for a period of time, as a matter of fact. Oh, Roenick was there for a little bit. Very brief period of time when he left college. And then okay. he uh, called up right from there as an emergency call up to the Blackhawks where he got his teeth knocked out, if you recall. Yeah, well, you know. jr has got stories man that's all i can say i actually texted him a couple weeks ago to see if i could get him on and uh he's like i only do one podcast i only go on one i forget what it's called but right um he's like i he's like i would do it for you but 
you know, I only go on this one right now. I'm still laying low. He's, uh, He's I know laying low. This is three years later. Yeah, he wasn't laying low last week when uh, that went down with Keith Yandel. <laughs> no, that's true. He wasn't laying low for that. That's a good point. No, and and Jr's version of laying low is a lot different than oh yeah other people's. You know, his idea of bunkering down is uh, getting on top of the space needle and waving a flag. <laughs> right. But that's no, no question about that. That's a good point. Um, let's go back to 2010, because on April yes. 11, 2010, the Flyers go to the shootout against the aforementioned New York Rangers. Now, this game, it's game 82. Winners go into the playoffs. Loser is not. Rangers come into the game with a record of 38, 33 and 11. The Flyers 41, 35 and six. Do you remember the final score of the game? I want to say, and and this is what I'll be bad at, but I'll say it was 4-3. No, it was actually 2-1. 2-1. Two to one in two one. And yeah. Hank, in the game, made 46 saves. Yeah, and we know Boucher was in that game because we chatted mm-hmm. with him about that and, and the failed arm pump at the end. Yeah, he blew a tire. <laughs> he fell into the net. Um, but, so here's the things about this. So, and there, uh, there's a big passage about this in my most recent book, Ranger book, which is like years old now, like three, four years old. A hundred things Ranger fans should know or do before they die. But originally in this game, I felt like at some point in overtime, Lundqvist hurt his knee. And I forget what he was doing. He was flexing, whatever. And I was looking at it. And all I remember is, and you'll probably remember this too, there was a point where Tortorella literally just had his team sit back in overtime thinking he was going to win this in the shootout. Yeah, he, they were playing clearly, clearly playing for the shootout. Right, which to me made no sense because I felt like Lundquist was banged up. Something happened in 46 saves. Maybe, you know, he just flexed it too much. Who knows? So, That's the all right. So we, we have some video that we'll kind of roll in the background here. Um, yeah. yeah, I think on one of the shootout attempts that the Flyers had, you can see that he is laboring with the yeah. knee. Yeah. So as you see, you know, Briere comes in on the first one and scores. And this ain't made him be he spun there and he looked I like he think hit his he knee. I think he retweaked it there. He exacerbated the injury, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. you see, you see how he, he doesn't always put his head up like that mm-hmm. to the stars. It has to be something, but I do feel like and it was a great move by Breer. Listen, that's, you know, Danny Breer was money. Yeah. Oh, he was incredible. And in that spot, you know, Breer yeah. was best on the big stage. Now, so Eric then- Christensen, that's funny that he got used. But there's a point in this where I'm going to really give it to John Tortorella. But we haven't gotten to that point yet, so that's okay. Yeah, so Christensen goes against Boucher. Mm-hmm. He was good in the shootout, though. He was. He was, okay. And so Boucher makes the blocker save there. Yes. Never bites on the move. And then Mike Richards is actually up next for the Flyers. And we know how, you know, what a pivotal role he played for the team in, you know, those playoffs and, yeah. you know, being the leader of that group and the shift and the whole thing. Um, but, you know, Richards doesn't score either. So here goes Mike Richards in. Let's see if I can. Sometimes Richards would rush his attempts in shootouts to get it over with. Yeah, I mean, he was a big game player. I mean, look at that. Almost level. no, like, what was the point of that? There was no, no move. move. Yeah, there's no move to that. He got up all. speed. He drew the puck back a little. And so that was now Parento was a big shootout guy, if you remember. Yeah. You got PA Parento. Boom. He ends up kind of rolling the puck. Boosh is pissed off there because yep. he's able to. But Boosh he was. Falls back too far there. 
he was a, a a shark in the shootout. So that it could happen to anybody. I won't I won't fault Boosh on that one. You know, the funny thing, I'm gonna put the volume up for this part because this yeah. is Drew. And we didn't know Drew as Drew this at this time. Wide assortment of no. the NBC Sports really try here. Slowing down. The shot he scores. You know, funny in the beginning of that, JJ's talking about, you know, Claude's got a Drew's got a, a a bevy of moves. We didn't know that yet. No, we didn't know that. But great job here to open him up and go yeah. five hole. And and this is where Hank is kind of like, but, oh my Yeah, you God. see, he noticed he couldn't he he didn't move his leg the right way on that. Yeah. Yeah, he keeps trying to go old school kick save, and here's the they save sure that sent the flyers to the playoffs. And when did he ever do kick save? You never saw Lundquist do a kick save. No, no, he was straight up butterfly. Here's Jokinen. And Boosh closes the five hole. Let's watch Boosh fall. Yeah, then Boosh gets taken down here. Oh, so they didn't show the they didn't show when he pumped fake fisted it. Okay, yeah, all right. So here's the thing: the Flyers' goal was scored in that game by Matt Carl. The one goal in regulation. There's Snyder high five, and that's great. Here's here's the one thing. I believe Marion Gabrick was on the bench and didn't get used in that shootout. They used Ole Jokinen, who was basically a rental. This is where I kill torts. So you get into the Ranger locker room. I was waiting in the Ranger locker room because I knew I would be able to use this for the book I had coming out. And Lundquist took a little longer. He was gathering his thoughts. He looked like he was like hurting a little bit. Uh, and this was probably the most upset I had ever seen him at that point of his career, like the most upset. And, you know, like, like Lundquist always was, you know, he gave the interview, whatever, done with that. But when Jokinen had walked in that room initially while we were waiting on Lundquist, he took the Ranger jersey off and he threw it in the bin like he, like he wanted to get rid of it, like he was throwing it in the trash. And I'm, I blame Torts. Yeah, and I blame Torts. Like, why did you put a guy who – really wasn't a big part of your team to decide your season. I will never understand that, but great win by the Flyers. You know what happened to him after that. Um, The only thing I don't remember happening, and I covered the year, but you always forget. So when did Bush get injured or fall out of favor to Leighton? When did that happen? He got injured in the first series against the Devils. Ah, the Devils series. Then he came back in the Boston series and got hurt again. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew he got hurt, but I couldn't remember when. Yeah, I remember talking to him, and he came back, and he played really well, and then he got hurt again, and he was just so, like, like seriously, like, what do I got to do? Yeah. And he came in, when you know, you know, Bush, when he came into the league in his rookie year, he goes to that conference final uh, against the Devils where they're up three games to one. He had a yeah. great year, and he was trying to get back there to take a run at the cup, and he just kept getting injured at that time. I mean, in his rookie year, he played 35 games, had a 918 save percentage and a 191 goals against average with four goose eggs. I mean, he was great in his rookie year. He was. And then 2010, in that season, the 9-10 season, he played in 33 games. And he went 26-9, or wait, excuse me, 9-18-3 and 18 and three on the season, started 26 games, had an 899 and 276. But in the playoffs, he ended up playing. Let me see how many games he played here in the playoffs. I can. Uh, all right, here we go. Um, in those playoffs, he played in twelve games. Ten of them started. He had a six and six record with a nine oh nine and a two four seven and one shutout. Yeah. Now here, here's what what a goofball Boucher could be. I I remember interviewing him. 
I don't know if we see her at MSG. Um, I was in the, the Flyers room and I had to get, I was writing a Ranger article at the time. So I had to get some quotes about <clears throat> either that game, the series, some player, whatever. And Boucher starts like chanting the Let's Go Ranger song, like like a little bit under his breath. Like, I goes, Let's go, right? Like just trying to throw me off the interview. Like, because he's not, I'm not talking to him. I'm talking to somebody next to him. And he's just being a complete goofball. Yeah. <laughs> during the whole. Yeah. Have you been keeping an eye on his son at all? On, not on this year as much. Now. I know. I, I, I looked about a week or two ago, and from what I hear, and I haven't looked at video, is he's still learning to round out his game. Uh, I feel like he had a decent season, but not what um, maybe Ottawa was hoping for. But again, he's a he's a young developing player, so I I still think he could play in the league. I don't I don't think people should hold against him where he was drafted, like that slot, because I think unfortunately that that creates way too much expectation because they picked them really high, but I do think he'll play. Yeah. I mean, 10th overall, um, you know, played part of the year at BU, then yeah. left BU and is playing for the Ottawa 67s in 22 games. He's got seven goals, seven assists, 14 points. Yeah. Is he going to be like a Tom Wilson type player? I mean, yes, that's exactly is, what he strives to be. Yeah. He had his first scrap last week too, and really pummeled a guy. Yeah. And, uh, no, that's what he strives to be like. That's yeah. And, and that, he can play that role. He yeah. can. And big strong kid. Strong kid, but he's gotta, you know, round out his game a little more because even Wilson does play some defense at times. And, you know, so Tyler's gonna have to do that a little better because you can't just walk in and be Tom Wilson. You have to do some other things to get that ice time so then you could be Tom Wilson. Yeah. Be an effective player and contributor and also a guy that holds the other team accountable. Uh yeah. Bush, Bush had sent me a clip. They were playing a game, and he had just just scored in the game. Or no, they they had just scored, and off the faceoff, the other team, I forget who it was against, um, right off the faceoff, he put a guy through the glass in between the scorer's table. They mm -hmm. had to pause the game for 40 minutes to replace the glass. They don't have the same speed and efficacy right. as they do in the NHL, in the OHL. They come back after, and he scores 30 seconds after Tyler does, after that happens. And the bench, the other team's bench is kind of chirping. It's like, you you know, like, what are right. you going to do? And they did nothing. But that's exactly what he wants to do. Like, I I interviewed him pre-draft, and he he said he wants to be that guy. He wants to be that guy the other team hates. He wants to be that guy that lays a hit and gets that attention from the other team, takes it away, um, takes the pressure away from his players, puts it on him. He wants to be that guy. Bit of a throwback. And I, I yeah. think there's a place in that because I think those kind of players are coming back into the league. They um, are. I just don't want them all back. No, no, because like, you, you can't revert the game back to what it was. No. You got to be able to skate. You got to be able to play. But, right. you know, the physicality coming back into the game and, you know, guys holding other, you know, protecting their star players and holding people accountable in the ice. Yeah. You don't want any more Tony twists in the game. No, no. And, you know, guys, who, who was the guy that uh, the Colorado player, super dirty? Why can't I remember his name? Oh, well, well, no, but if you're thinking of, um, with, could he score? You're talking about former devil, Claude Lemieux? No, no, I, I would remember Because he's super dirty, but he could score, yeah. Yeah, he was in that era, though. There was a guy recently, though, that just, Matt, um, damn, Matt something. I forget his last name. Anyway, yeah. um, right. let's, let's get to present day with the Flyers. Yep. Um, let me ask you about, first and foremost, Noah Cates. Because he comes out of college. 
he won a national championship while he was in college in one of the three years. And he comes out, played it for Team USA in the Olympics this year because the NHLers didn't go. But boy, Russ, he's not going to be a top line player, but he's a player that when I see him on the ice with and without the puck in all three zones, it, to me, he just looks like he belongs, like he's ready for the NHL. And he's not a kid. He's matured and you know went through the college route. So he comes in uh, more physically ready, even though he's not a big body. But what have you seen out of Noah Cates? He looks pretty good to me. No, he's Noah's excellent. I, I watched him as far back as the USHL. I remember going to the Fall Classic, putting up a report about him, saying, hey, I like this guy. And a lot of those same qualities exist. He's smart. He's good. He plays away from the puck really well. Like, he, he knows where to go without the puck. He is an excellent face-off guy. He makes smart zone entries when he has the puck that way. He is smart along the wall. He doesn't like give up the puck in bad spots. He doesn't blind pass it around the end. He does all of those things. Well, he knows how to get around the net too. He's not going to be like a, you know, a top scoring guy, but he could be like a 40 point guy. What I don't like about what Mike Yo is doing is he needs to play center. I get that you want Hayes and Tippett and him together for some continuity there, some, some growing but at some point, that line will never exist next year. But if you want to keep Tippett and, and Cates together, then put them together now and let Cates be a center and see what you have because that's more likely what would happen instead of putting Cates on the wing. But isn't it better to put him in the wing to break him in? Well, he's broken in now. I, do, do you, are you watching anything where you feel like you say, uh, all right, he needs some work there? I think he's broken in. Like I don't think – I think he's one of those guys where – I think he can play center now. Now, I don't know if that'll mean when he starts the season flat-footed next year if he makes the team, but I think right now you should see what you have in him. I think he's absolutely a guy that's on the team out of camp next year. I, I mean, I think there's a good chance. Him. I never want to jinx yeah. a guy, though. Not only that, but, you know, look at the money. He's not making a ton of it. So he's on that ELC, so that helps as well because the cap is only going up by a million dollars. Let's talk about Ronnie Adder because – Yep. Um, big body, huge shot. I mean, he's got a bomb. He's made some mistakes. He's going to make mistakes, and that's part of this. And you want these players to be exposed to the NHL so they go into the offseason knowing what it feels like to play at that level so you can go into your offseason training with that knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, he, he got his first goal. He, Like I said, he's made the mistakes, and every D is going to have to make them. You might as well make them now. Yeah, you might as well make them now. And he hasn't made a ton, but I think there's been a few um... – Mistakes along the wall. I yeah. think uh, his shot blocking is good, though. Outside yeah, over-pursuing and then not realizing, oh, wow, the puck gets out much faster, and then to have to get back and try and cover, it's hard. Um, the shot's been pretty good, although he's fallen down a couple times. Um, but the shot's good. His um, He's got to be on the ice with the right guys, though, because he's still – he's going to have a little trouble still with the NHL pace. I still think – that's going to take a little while for him to get. And I. this is why I'm a proponent of putting him in the AHL next year instead of the NHL, I agree. just so he could sort of ramp up that. If, yeah. you know, after, tonight. Yeah, play him 20 minutes a night. And then after you know, 15, 20 games, if none of this is a problem for him, then bring him up. But I don't want to start him at the NHL because I feel like let him be the you know top power play guy down there. Let him do all that stuff. That's what Ronnie Adder's good at. He um, He's great in the room. He's that all shucks kind of guy. He yeah. he knows that he was a late bloomer. Yeah. You know, and and that's fine. And again, some defensemen don't make it till they're 25 anyhow. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's that happens. So I think which is why you scratch Yandel too, by the way, be, and, yes. and put him oh, yeah. with Connaughton, even though because you, you can't have two offensive guys out there. That's not putting him in a good position to have success if he's with Yandel. It doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. No, so. it you know, I and I said that, you know, I look, I, I like Elliot Friedman a lot, but I didn't buy the uh what he was saying on the show that a coach told him, well, it was because Nick Sealer had that fight with Delorier, and how could you take Nick Sealer out after that? No. The, I wasn't buying that either. No. The answer, the real answer was, how could you put Keith Yandel with Ronnie Adderd in his first game and expect him to have a good game and possibly develop, you know, over the next couple weeks by doing that? You can't. Yeah, We already saw that effect on Cam York when they put him with Correct. Yandel in the beginning. It didn't work. And you're putting two offensive guys together. And that just puts York at a disadvantage. Yes. Now so you're you couldn't York do that. Grover off and it's a different York. Yeah, you couldn't do that. So, and and look, I don't want people to think I'm I'm dumping on Yandel. I mean, he's in my master didn't vote. I don't want to give it away where I've where I've put him, whether it's first, second, or third. But he's in there. Like you know, he's persevered in this game of hockey. I respect him, but young guys need to develop. Like he just he just was getting in the way, unfortunately. This game determines. Your play determines and earns you a right to be in the lineup, and your play earns you out of the lineup. And this player yeah. earns them out of the lineup. That's just plain yeah. and simple. That's yeah, nothing is – like, it's it's nice that he's played all this time. It's amazing and all of that. But there is no unwritten rule that says you have it coming to you because you got the streak and, you know, nobody should break it except you. It's like, that's nice, but the sport doesn't really work that way. And it is kind of a young man's sport. I mean, yeah. it really has turned into that. When Jarvis came out of the lineup and was scratched, he was sent to the AHL and never played an NHL game again. It won't be as big of a deal when Phil Kessel breaks the record because the record is months old. It's a big deal when Yandel breaks Jarvis's record because it was 37 years old. Correct. Correct. And that's, look, and that's quite an accomplishment. There's no question about it. Yeah. So that's all good. Let's talk about the recent signee fresh off a national championship. And I know you've done a lot of homework on this guy over the last couple of years from World yep. Juniors, his collegiate career, yep. and Bobby Brink. Uh, he was taken in the second round by the Flyers. He was kind of their answer for overlooking Cole Caulfield not once but twice, yep. taking York in that draft. Uh, but Bobby Brink now has been signed to a three-year entry-level contract, which will kick in. I imagine he'll be in the lineup tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I think if I, I think it'll be tomorrow night, if not by Wednesday with the Rangers for sure. Um, the way I look at Brink is – he gets from A to B and knows how to do it. His skating never looks great, but that part doesn't matter as much to me because the more I talk to you know guys in the field, the more I see certain players that maybe uh, you know, like Mark Yannetti, I spoke to him about this. There's an article on Sportsology people could check out about some other players. He talked about Toffoli. He always talks about Toffoli, but then even other players as far as maybe not having the prettiest skating. And I think that's something that gets – um, magnified in this era because we talk about speed all the time, but not everybody is a speedster. Yeah. But he gets to A to B, and he's got great intelligence, great hockey IQ. He Now, I'm going to tell you he is a goal scorer, and I know people, this is again, to me, there's a misnomer. Like, if you remember, there was talk about when Owen Tippett came over, hey, look at his playmaking, whatever, but it's like, Playmaking means he's an unselfish player and he's going to try and feed his linemates when he can. But that doesn't make him a playmaker. That just makes him a linemate 
And Owen Tippett has that sniper mentality, whether he's scoring or not, but he's a goal scorer. Same thing goes with Brink. He's a goal scorer first, but he's not an unselfish. He's, he's not a selfish player. So example, like when, when he set up Carter Savoy for that, for that big goal, sending him into the national championship game for the frozen four, he's going to do that. Cause he's got the skill. Um, Carter Savoy is just a better goal scorer than he is like right now at, you know, there, but that'll change. I believe that'll change. I don't think Brink is a huge goal scorer, like on the Caulfield level, but I think he could score 20, 25. And I think he can get, you know, 50 points. And I think he's that kind of player. And, but the, the beauty of Bobby Brink though, is you could put him on the fourth line and he would survive. And you could put him on the second line and he'll survive. Because he does play up to his comp, like to the guys on the line, he's able to match their level. Like I've seen him play top line in other, you know, Denver. Of course, he's going to, but I've seen him like when he got moved around um, before that World Juniors and otherwise, um, and he could really, you know, for short spurts, could really fill in almost anywhere. So that's a real good thing for him because you don't know where he's going to break in. I think he could be a second liner when he reaches his zenith. But you don't. He's not going to break in on the second line. There's just there's too many players there. If he when he breaks in, he's going to break in on the third. But he does need to get physically stronger. So I can't pencil him in for the Flyers lineup yet because I got to see what the summer brings. If you noticed, um, like in the uh, in the national championship game, he um, he ran into the goalie and and they took a, a goal off the board. Right now, there's nothing wrong with running into the goalie. What is not great is he's got a little Lenny Dykstra in him where he puts his body in some bad places at times to make things happen to goal score goals and whatever, and has been injured before in the past. You know that he's, you know, he's had some injury this year. He hasn't, but at the NHL level, I want to make sure he's just, you know, going to really have a little bit more man strength. So if he does do that, he can handle some punishment because the way he scores some of his goals, he's going to receive some punishment. Yeah, I I told Bill Meltzer on today's Flyers Daily, I said he's going to be in the top five in the league and getting his face washed. Yes. Because he's a gamer, right? Yes. Like he get, he'll, and he'll go to the net because he knows that's yep. where – He'll do anything. He'll, he'll yeah. run through a brick wall for you. Yeah. I, I had texted um, somebody yesterday after he signed um, a high-level management person, and I just said, where do you see Brink in an ideal role? Middle six, PP trigger. Um, what about the projection? Also, is the skating a detriment for him? And the response I got was, that's right, about middle six. Hopefully he gets to a top six if he can figure out a way to adjust his game to the pro game with his skating. But the kid just seems to find a way everywhere he plays. And that's yeah, and that's similar to what I told you. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So uh, your uh, your assessment is pr- very much in line with uh, um, a, h- a high level source. We'll just yeah. Call it. No. And that's and that's you know, that's the way I've always felt about him. I mean. I think what's improved on him maybe is he's got a little more playmaking in him that came out in college that didn't previously. Mm -hmm. And so that's good. I mean, to be a pro, it's like, you know, you're not going to be able to, you can't survive if you're scoring, even if you're scoring 20 goals and getting like three assist seasons, like you're not going to get a ton of ice time for that. So players know that and, and they do a good job of, of rounding out other parts of his game. And that's what he's done. The skating part Look, I know everybody will say, well, go to Barb Underhill or whatever, but so is Matthew Strom. And unfortunately, it's never really helped Matthew Strom enough. Drew was never a great skater. No, he but he was, but, but 
Looks like he's on a rocking chair. Yeah, yeah, but I would play. say early on, at least the two-step quickness when he needed to get somewhere was good. Oh, yeah. I would say the last five years, if he had a breakaway, he couldn't basically go on the breakaway. He would always sort of curl back because he knew yeah. they would catch up to him, and that was not the smart play. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the funny thing, too, is a lot of people, and I get why, in this day and age, you fret college players because you hang on to them for all this time. It's a long-term investment. And yep. then they can ultimately decide, hey, I'm going to go play where I want to play. We've seen, you know, Adam Fox. We've seen a lot of guys do that, right? I think St. Ivan is going to do that. Yeah, Drake Kajula did it, right? Yeah. Um, didn't, uh, who, who was the other guy? Um, VC, Jimmy VC. Yeah, Jimmy VC. yep. So you look at these guys, you go, wow, they're going to lose Noah Cates. But that's one of the byproducts of being a team that's bad. Is yes. There's a ton of opportunity. None of those guys are going to pass up opportunity. Right. Right. And that's why they both did it. But there does become a point where you might pass up opportunity, like as an example with the Sabres. So um, if you noticed, uh, Portillo went back. Yeah. And Levi went back. Now that tells me, okay, even though I think Portillo is NHL backup quality and he's very good at it, he's a very good goalie. He obviously wants more. So they both see Pekalukin in. And they could lose both of these guys now. It wouldn't shock me if they trade the rights to both of them if neither of them wants to be an NHL backup. Like, if they get the gist from the advisor that, hey, they're hoping to be number one goalies in this league, then it's like you better trade their, their rights now because yeah. neither will come. And goalie's so different because there's only one net. Right. And there's – I mean, there's basically 64 goalie jobs in the NHL, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And forwards, that's three teams. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're skaters, I should say. I mean, so. in the you know, in the COVID era, yeah, there were a few more goalie jobs because of you know the uh, the taxi, taxi squad, squad, but yeah, but that's the only time in really in the history it's been like that. Yeah, you got to, and sometimes you got to you know rob Peter to pay Paul because you're taking it away from your AHL team. Um, and the ECHL boy, they were struggling for, for goalies a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah, I mean they've had some guys come out though. I mean look at look at Jonathan Quick played for the Red yeah. And oh yeah, boom, couple cups, Con Smythe. Fantastic. Well, a lot of times a misnomer is a lot of times people, if they just look at, they go to elite prospects, they look at stats and they say, mm, this guy played in the ECHL, but you have to ask yourself why, why did the guy play in the ECHL? Cause sometimes, Hey, there's not enough goalie play time for this guy to play at the AHL level. So they put him down there so he could be the guy and get 40 games in or more. And sometimes even with a defenseman, Hey, this team's loaded with defense. They wanted this guy to play top four so he could play top four down there couldn't hear league you have to look at that yeah i mean it's a good league the echl is not yeah. some donkey league no but i think people harder on goalies though because there's a lot less structure it is harder on goalies because of the structure less structure but but people will thumb their nose on it like oh look he went to the echl i mean look bennington went to the echl too so mm -hmm. on yeah. and i know you don't like him i just used him as an example i don't want to get into a bennington thing yeah i'm, I'm just, off bennington because he's off he's gonna get shopped over the summer so you'll be happy yeah, and who's going to take on that deal, right? Somebody will take him. Yeah, somebody will, because goaltending is you it's hard to come by. That, yeah, that need it, and you go. Listen, well, Peter Morazic. Peter Morazic has two more years. That's insane. Well, what the hell it is, is Toronto insane. thinking? What they were thinking was the goalie market was hot, and they desperately needed goalies, and they overpaid uh, by a year because that was the only way he was going to come because he was getting probably higher AAV offers. Well, he, the thing is, though, is they didn't and I wouldn't have done it on him. Like I he, know. he worked in Carolina because of the structure. Yeah. 
that's not Toronto. Like you have to, when you're signing a goaltender, it's just as important to know if that goaltender's strengths um, are what your weaknesses are. Or, you know, a goaltender doesn't fit on every team. No. You know, it, it just doesn't work like that. Like if you're a team that gives up a ton off the rush, then your goalie's got to be a good off the rush goaltender. If he's not, and that's just not part of his game. And like Morazic doesn't have any foundation of technical aspects. Yeah. Like that's the problem. When he's often not reading plays and playing on instinct, then he's got no foundation to fall back on. No, I agree. You need that foundation to fall back on. Um, it's really important. Well, we certainly said a lot in this episode, Ross, and you certainly we did. said a lot. I appreciate you doing this as always. You got yeah, uh, to always fun. Sportsology.com at Sportsology on Twitter. Check out Russ's stuff there. Also check it out on Elite Prospects. You're doing good work there as well. You're Thank a busy you. man. You're going to write five more books. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. 24 we'll months. Well, that's what the publisher told me. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he's expecting. That's what he's going to advance you on. <laughs> if they're going to advance you on it, you'll have them done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. Russ, thanks for doing this. All right, Jake. See ya. There he is. Russ Cohen, another successful appearance on Stick to Hockey Live, presented by Bet Parks. A lot to cover in this episode. Always kind of fun to go down a little bit down memory lane and you know look at you know six years to the day of Ed Snyder's passing and 12 years ago now. Jeez, that's crazy that it's been 12 years since that shootout win by the Flyers over the Rangers and that magical ride all the way uh, to the cup final. Unfortunately, losing in six against the Chicago Blackhawks, man, that was, that was a crazy time. I, I was travel, I was doing the games, traveling with the team for that whole thing, you know, starting out in Jersey, heading to Boston. We know what happened there going down three games to none down three, nothing in game seven, winning that getting Montreal and having home ice advantage in the conference final as a seven seed, because they were the eight seed. Yara Holak was just unconscious and how they beat Washington Flyers get by that series in five head to the cup. We're taking the flight out to Chicago on Memorial day weekend. Me and my wife went out for that to Chicago. And I remember it was time to come back. Flyers are down Oh two and we're getting ready to go to the airport. We look at the plane tickets and she booked the return flight for the next day. She just clicked the wrong date when booking the tickets. I guess I should have booked them, but <laughs> we got back. We were able to transfer them. And uh, we know how that series went. Two wins back at Wells Fargo Center for the Flyers, a game five loss in Chicago, and then game six, uh, the Patrick Kane goal is what ended it for the Flyers. And the Blackhawks got the cup and went on to win three more with that core. Pretty incredible. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode. Let's tell you about Bet Parks because the app is sensational. It's the new Bet Parks app, and it's out. It's easy to download. Uh, go to the App Store, download it. That little X in the bottom left of your screen there, which is right here, is what you're looking for. Download the new app. Check it out. Peruse it. Easy to sign up. Easy to use. Fun to use. Faster to win than ever before. You get all the props, parlays, teasers, player performances. You name it. It's all there. Combine bets. Whatever you want to do. Same game parlays. Check it out. Enjoy it. And how about this? Use the promo code JASON, J-A-S-O-N, 750 and you're going to get a $750 risk-free bet. $750. That is nothing to see. I was actually putting a little bit of a coin down on the Formula One race. I lost it because I had Verstappen, and he ended up uh, blowing up his engine with the DNF. So, But still, fun to use, even if you want to get in on the F1. 
gambling or whatever it is. Hockey playoffs are coming. Still a little meat left on the regular season bone. You've got the uh, basketball playoffs. You've got baseball. You've got a ton. So check it out. You're going to love it. It's fantastic. Just had the Masters this weekend. And that was a lot of fun. I know Harry put out the bet last week that uh, for Tiger to make the cut. Boom. Harry cashes that bet. So check it out. The Bet Parks app, it is available. So check it out and download it. And you do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. And terms and conditions apply. And make sure you also, um, with uh, the Bet Parks app, follow all the different social channels. At Bet Parks on Twitter. Follow them on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram as well. You get great content there, daily specials, and tons more. And we'll be back Thursday with another edition of Tones Takes. Anthony DeMarco will join us on Thursday's program. we got a little announcement as well. So tons going on on Stick to Hockey Live. And join us tomorrow at 1 o'clock for another brand-new episode of the OG's podcast with myself and Harry Mays and our special guest this week to talk some Sixers playoffs. Also, talk about Augusta and the Masters. How about Dee Lynham? She was down there in Augusta. And she's also got a new show coming out she tell us about. So that'll be tomorrow. And we'll be back Thursday with another brand new episode of Bet Parks Presents. Stick to Hockey Live. Everybody, have a great day. We'll talk to you next time. Shake it, babe. Shake it, babe. One time.